welcome to another amazing episode of the Path to Podcast Success with your host, audience building and fear crushing podcast expert, Evan Bradley Johnson. Every single week, Evan has powerful conversations with successful entrepreneurs and business owners, revealing the podcast strategies they use to grow their subscribers and sales, and how you can use your podcast to finally get to that next level. Now, turn on your mic and let's start down the path to podcast success. Okay, welcome everyone to another very exciting episode of Path to Podcast Success. Uh, I have a feeling that today's interview is going to be a lot of fun. I think you listeners are in for a treat. I think I am also in for a treat because uh, I think we're really, you know, it's. I think uh, this is working pretty well, and I think this conversation is going to be very exciting. So, Ian Hawkins, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Evan. I hope I don't disappoint now after you've given me that lead-in. <laughs> I have a feeling you won't, and I, I haven't I haven't really been disappointed by a guest yet, so I, I don't think you're going to be the first. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, I like to start off in the same place with all my guests, and that is by making sure that all the listeners are on the same page, and they know um, what they need to know about you so that they have the appropriate context. So for all those people, go ahead and tell us in your own words, uh, what is it that you do? So I help people to heal their unresolved and unknown grief. This came from my own journey, losing my dad in 2005 and asking that question at his funeral to myself of like, if I died today, like, would I be happy about what people would say? Because I was hearing all these amazing things that people were saying about the impact that he'd had and different community groups and in his work and, and with his family. And I was just in that space of self-questioning going, I don't really think I'd like what I would hear at that point. And so I didn't probably put it in these words in my head at the time, but it was a question of legacy and me wanting to actually make a a heap of changes in my life. And then through my own grief and realizing how much unresolved and, and, and the stuff that I didn't even know about how much grief I had sitting there that came flooding to the surface after my dad passed, I went on a journey of self-discovery to, to peel back those layers. And then as I've done that, I've, I've developed the skills to help other people to do, to do the same. That is an amazing story. And it's true that oftentimes those kinds of tragic incidents can, it really sparks introspection. Yeah. And most people, they feel it, you know, for a few days, few weeks, but the fact that you took that and you really ran with it and you used those thoughts and feelings to elevate your own life and then the lives of those around you is incredible. Yeah, well, I have to tell you, it wasn't a quick process. So oh, exactly sure. like, <laughs> as you described there, so for the first couple of weeks, there's all this support around when you have those tragic incidences, like you said, whether it's someone passing or something else. Oh, yeah. And then everyone goes back to their day-to-day life. And then you're left going, well, what do I do now? And that period of drifting and asking that question can last two weeks or it can last six years. And for me, it lasted six years of like, okay, I need things to be different, but I didn't know how. And so I was just stuck on the hamster wheel 
going nowhere. And right. so that's that's part of why I'm I'm passionate about sharing is because I, I don't want people to be stuck for that long. They don't have to be stuck for that long. Yeah. It's it's not to rush the grieving process. It's but it, what it is is to give people a window into what's possible when they are ready. Right. Now it's I was to make ready. it an actual process instead of just sitting in it. Hundred percent. So I was ready, but I just didn't know how to do anything about it. Right. So it's giving people that window, giving them the step by step structure to be able to. Okay. Well, now I'm actually ready to do something, and often it's around honouring that person that's passed. But it doesn't have to just be about a death either. It can be a breakdown of a relationship, loss of a job, collapse of a business, or, or there's any number of areas where we hold grief. Right. And then when you're ready to to change, well, what do I do? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. And so, so you said, so in, you described it pretty well. I think this is a good kind of tagline is you help people with unresolved grief. So that was, that means those people who are where you were, right, where they've been just kind of sitting in it and yeah. it hasn't been going anywhere and they've been drifting, right? They've been in that kind of fog of grief without any plan because grief yeah. is a, it's a thing, you know, it's, it's a state that takes effort and strategy to be able to work through and that's you know that's where you get it's, it's that period after people are saying oh you're fine you know you can take some time off lay on the couch you know it, that's that's good and healthy but then as the weeks go by well their lives move on but yeah. you're still in that grief and now it's like now you're weird or you're lazy for you know sitting on the couch um, yeah, 100%. Grieving. And so yeah. that's where you step in and be like, okay, well now we have to be able to, it, you know, keep moving forward and enact the process and work through this grief, even if it takes a long time, but it's still something that's, you know, mindful, you know, you're mindful about. Yeah, hundred percent. And not everyone's ready. And some people need more of that couch time than others. And that's okay. <laughs> and, uh, but when they, but when they are ready, yeah, that's, Giving them that, giving them that path forward for sure. Yeah. What would you say to someone as far as so? And I mentioned this to you before we started recording, but I am all about uh, actionable advice and really making an impact. What would you say to someone who perhaps they've kind of passed that window, or socially acceptable to sit on the couch, but that's still all they feel like doing, and that grief is still something that is very consuming? Uh, what would be something that they could do to begin to kind of get themselves out of it? Well, the first step is to acknowledge whatever you're going through. We, we are educated. It's passed down through patterns from family around suppressing emotions. So I don't know if it was the same when you grew up, but when I grew up, it was, you know, messages like, oh, don't be sad. Don't be upset. Don't be angry. Like, like being told how to feel. And that's not how our system works. We, we feel how we feel. No one else can tell us how we feel. Yeah. So the first step is to give yourself that space to feel however you're feeling without any judgment, without any fear of judgment of others, just allowing yourself to sit in it by acknowledging that it's even there. And typically, and again, I'll, I'll use a general statement, but this is what I know in the Western world, particularly in Australia, is that the men tend to just not, they're really uncomfortable sitting in that space to give themselves mm -hmm. that space. But there's a lot of women that are the same as well. It's not just uh, it's not just one side, but it particularly men tend to bottle these things up. So 
giving yourself that space to sit and acknowledge. And then the next important step is to be able to talk about it. And if you're ready, finding someone that you can trust and is a safe place to talk to, and there's any number of places where you can find that sort of space, but you can also do it in the privacy of your own home by talking it out, by taking pen to paper, by doing a voice memo, by recording a video blog, whatever it blog, but just for yourself. Like all of these are just for yourself, just to get all of those feelings and thoughts and all of those things that are swimming around in your head after you've experienced grief, just get them out so then they're not weighing so heavily. Right. And then by acknowledging and then finding space to talk it out, then you can allow yourself a space to feel whatever you're going through at a deeper level. And it's only when we allow ourselves to really sit in it at that deeper level, will we we be able to release it and then be able to take whatever the next step is that at the moment seems so far away because you're feeling stuck. Right. I, I, I love the highlight on how difficult it is for a lot of people, um, you know, both men and women, but definitely just in general, more men than women, um, to be comfortable expressing these feelings, both in simple acts of emotion, right? Crying, that kind of thing. And yeah. in talking about it to someone else. It's so interesting how difficult that is when it's something that should be so natural. And that's... You know, I guess society, upbringing, then things yeah. talking, right? Yeah, I'll add there. It's so hardwired because it it happens from such a young age. So then, when we get to an adult and we and we we have this patterning that says suppress, 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 but our body is telling us that we're feeling it. We have this massive inner contradiction that causes it literally causes pain. It, it causes illness. Yeah. It causes this massive amount of resistance because we're pulling in two different directions. So oh, yeah. I, I would add there, it's not your fault. It's not anyone's fault. Like these are, these are hardwired patterns from that have been pretty much handed to us or programmed into us from the young exactly. age. Exactly. Yeah. It's so like, it's not, that... it's not your, uh, it's, I wouldn't say it's like the parents fault because the parents have yeah. the same struggles. You know 100%. what I mean? So is it their parents' fault or their parents' fault? And it keeps going back and back. And it's yeah. because it thinks it makes me think of a young child, right? Baby toddler. Or crying and the parent oh, stop crying right yeah. and it's like you have to instantly you have to stop the crying right and anything they can do to stop the crying is what yeah. they do even when you know you're a toddler and you fall down and bump your knee right you start crying well the parent tries everything possible soothing uh scolding anything to stop the crying right it's like you have to stop that as soon as you can yeah. instead of i i've not i don't often see um people just kind of sitting with it right whether yeah. it's with a whether it was with your toddler or with an adult friend, right? It's like yeah. it's who, a great I point. Yeah, and that's one thing I see. I don't even see that represented in like uh, media, TV, movies, anything, anything like that, really, or in real yeah. life. Hasn't been something I've observed where it's like I feel like people should be able to just sit with it. You yeah. know, it's rare for sure. It's a good point. Yeah. And yeah, even from that young age, it's a, it's a really good point what you raised there about as a toddler, where we as parents are rushing to to console and, and and sure we need that love and compassion but just giving themselves that space yeah oh yeah said. and it's good i mean you want it you know soothing is great or whatever but there's always a kind of underlying emotion behind it where you and, you, and especially children can 
pick up on those kinds of things pretty well, right? You can yes. feel it from the parent where it's like they want you to stop. Like the main goal isn't to address the hurt, it's to address the crying specifically. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially if you're in public perhaps. You know, you're yes. in a playground and you fall or hit your head or something. Yeah. D- deeper than that, it makes me think of how quick we are to do that, not even because we're worrying about it from our perspective, but what will everyone be saying? Like, exactly. will they be judging me because my child is crying? Right. That, that, that exactly. straight away at that early stage, we're teaching our children to fear self, fear judgment from external instead of just exactly. being how we want to be. Because you can feel that from the parent, you can feel the anxiety. And it's not 100%. even, and so the soothing, it doesn't even end up, they're not even soothing or trying to talk about or fix like the problem. They're only trying to get the person in question to stop expressing the emotion. Because expressing emotion in public, right, apparently is supposed to be really uncomfortable. <laughs> it's um it's band-aid uh you call you, you what do we we call plasters band-aids here um it's a it's a it's a solution quick solution right just put yeah. a plaster over it and, and um and it'll go away and it's like no we actually just need to allow people to to address like you said not not the symptom the crying but what's actually going on yeah love it exactly yeah so i think it's that's it's a powerful conversation to have and it takes it takes work to break the cycle Right, because you have to be the one who's strong enough to recognize that and be willing to be okay with some people looking at you weird. Because people will, you know, if you have a toddler crying in public, I mean, that's kind of annoying for people who aren't related to the toddler, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I've never like said anything or done anything if that happens, but it's not. It's not like I'm like, oh, great, a toddler's crying. It's like, oh, great, you know, there's some annoying kid who's yelling and crying in the next row over at the grocery store. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like. That's that doesn't matter, right? What I think in that scenario does not matter. Like, who cares? Yeah. You know what I mean? And people so are gonna, that people get a judge on something. Exactly. Like that's mm. it's something that happens, and that's okay. You know yeah. what I mean? And this okay. I mean, so what? So it's a very it is it's. Uh, I, I think this kind of conversation is very powerful. But I wanted to ask you. So you're helping people with this. You're making this kind of incredible impact, and you have a podcast. So yes. I'm curious, tell us about that and tell us about how it fits into your business. So I, I do my podcast a little bit different. Um, I do five episodes a week. I am regularly coming up with different thoughts and ideas. And in the past, I would have written a list of articles to write and then the list would go on for pages and pages and I never get to it. And, and my coach pointed out to me when I was you know, getting the podcast started was just get a voice memo and, and record it. Like you're just making excuses to not get it out there. So, cause I'm like, Oh, I have to be here in front of the, the computer with my mic and all that sort of stuff. And she's like, again, like you're searching for perfection. So, so now I do it five days. I, I do have a little lapel mic now, so that's, that's helpful, but <laughs> the, the Apple headphones work fine. And just speaking to the phones, not the worst anyway, because people will listen, right? So I don't know how many people in their podcasting get too caught in that perfection, but it's certainly not the case for me. Like I've recorded them where there's a, there's, there's a bit of background noise, like, you know, nature and different things going on, but it's important for me personally. My, my podcast is so intuitively guided. A bit like you, where you said you just ask the questions as they come to you. I, I do the same thing whether I'm interviewing. So I do one interview a week and then I do four individual episodes, which might be just a two to two to 10 minute piece of, of something that's come to me of, of some bit of 
magic that's that's just come to me intuitively and, and yeah. just getting it out in a way like an audio blog yeah 100 percent. yeah so it's all about the the actual interviews is sharing other people's grief story and and how everything that they've overcome has allowed them to position themselves as the expert in, in what it is that they do right because of everything that they've learned all of those struggles that they've gone through, everything, all the skills that they've developed, all of the healing that they've done to, to get to this point and still be moving forward and still wanting to impact the world. And it's just really shining a light on that. And, and, I, and I love that because I know the power of stories. And we talk about healing. When we have a, a conversation like you and I are having, Evan, is that the interviewer gets healed the interviewee gets healed and the audience gets healed just by telling stories because something within us, we hear something from the other person that resonates, which allows us to make peace within ourselves and to be able to move forward. Oh yeah. So it is very much by design. A lot of people like to have to listen to the interviews. I know when I go to other people's podcasts, I tend to stick to the interviews because I want to hear those interesting stories. Right. Yeah. But for people who want I was going to say, too, it kind of changes the narrative a bit around grief and talking about it. Because even if nothing, even if the the story itself, right, is something that someone maybe they can't relate to as well, simply the fact that you and someone else are ta- are being open and vulnerable and talking about it, that would resonate with anyone listening. 100%. And some people they can do it on a recorded podcast, well, then I could probably do it to a friend or a therapist or something. Yeah. And, and people have opened up about some of the really dark moments of their life. And, and again, the tingles I'm getting through my body now of confirmation that, that I know that creates a, a ripple in a ripple effect for other people to exactly, as you said, if, if they can do this in public, then, then I can start to have the courage to be able to talk about what I've gone through. Yeah. And so then the, for people who want something deeper, they want something like, okay, well, what's, okay, the interviews were great, but I want something more. Well, that's what the individual episodes are for. And I, and exactly. I hear back from people who listen to those and they, and they contact me and go, wow, that like this particular one was amazing. And, and I'm sure the other podcasters listening, they know how important that is to get that feedback. Okay. We don't do it for the feedback, but when we receive it, it, it feels amazing to know that we are actually touching people. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And so that's, a great, so it sounds like then you had the business and then the podcast came later. Um, is that is that uh, correct? Yeah, that's right. So so I've been the idea for business started in 2013. It probably didn't turn into an actual business until about 2015. Because until you're making money, it's not an actual business, right? <laughs> right. And um, and then I'd thought about a podcast for a long time. Like I I imagine you would resonate with this. How many times you're sitting around at a cafe or a bar and you're having this deep conversation and you're like, man, other people need to be hearing this. And so I talked about that for four years. And then when we, when we had the big lockdown two years ago in Australia, where that basically six weeks, like no one goes anywhere. I'm watching other people interview people live. And I'm like, I have no excuse anymore. I, I can't go anywhere. I have the time. So I started interviewing people. And I did that for a year before I actually thought, well, I actually need to turn this into a podcast now. Right. And then, then just getting a podcast coach, working out what it is I need to do because because I'm not like I'm not a tech specialist by any means. And then and then just getting started. Because sometimes yeah. we can make all the excuses in the world about why we can't do something. But <laughs> sometimes there is a really easy path forward. And that's how I found it 
once it got started and um yeah now the podcast is just something that, that i love to do and love to be able to share my message right and that's you have to for something like podcasting right you're starting something new that you don't know a lot about you have to find the easiest way to possibly do it otherwise it's not going to happen i mean that's yeah. just how we work as humans right people yeah. think oh you're lazy well no i'm just typical right like if it's some new big thing i'm not going to probably do it or it's going to take me a super long time to do it so you have to be able to simplify it as yeah. much as possible to yeah. actually follow through and so yeah <laughs> and it's great that you were able to do this i know the quarantine definitely did give birth to a lot of podcasts. And so I think the impressive part is that you've been able to keep it going because that's the kind of thing where, Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't go anywhere. So I might as well start a podcast. Right. And then they do. And yeah. then they're 10 episodes in and then the quarantine ends or whatever. And then they, they stop. And so it's incredible that you're able to keep going. Um, well, for me personally, I'm a, I'm on the extreme extrovert side of the spectrum. So, like I have at different times a challenge just being quiet. So, so talking is not a problem for me. So recording more episodes is not a problem. And, <laughs> and talking to people is what I do in, through my coaching and, and healing services as well. So it's just second nature to me. I, I actually love it. It's not, it doesn't even feel like hard work. So um, I think uh, me finding the podcast model that works specifically for me and, and how I operate, that's been really important. And I, I imagine that's what you, part of what you're helping people with as well, right? Is to, to make sure they're, they're not doing it what someone else is telling them, but actually what works for them specifically. Exactly. And each, yeah, each person has a different way to approach the process, something that really resonates with them. So, and I know one yeah. thing, one thing too, that motivates people to keep going on a podcast is if it really helps their business. So I want to ask you, have you noticed an impact that the podcast has made in your business? Has it, has it helped? Has it been a good asset? Absolutely. And I, I've been doing a lot of different things and it feels like everything sort of culminated in the last probably four months since the podcast launch. And I have had a, a real, like a significantly positive movement forward in the business in so many ways. And I'm just trying to think now. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't really put it together like that since it turned into an actual podcast, but I would say that, yeah, it does coincide, absolutely. And there's something about, you know, like when people want to have a website up when they start their business and having a book, and there is something about credibility, I guess, that comes with a podcast, right? Oh, yeah. No, that's half the reason most people do it is because it puts your name out there and if, you know, if you're talking to people about working with them or whatever, and you drop the fact that you have a podcast, I mean, wow, this guy's a podcast. He was know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. I'm so going like, to have to do that more often, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got yeah, you got to na name drop yourself. You know what I mean? You host a podcast. That's really exciting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, have you noticed that though? Have, has so has that been? I guess my follow up question would be: Has that been the primary? Uh, benefit the podcast has had would you say um is kind of you know awareness. i would say the, the primary benefit for me prior to us just having this conversation now has been content creation so like i said before yeah. i had all these ideas i was writing down a title or a, or a small piece of it 
and then often that article would get half written or never written whereas now uh i just talk it out and it's then go, it goes voice to text and the ones that are most important i i i transfer into into an article and then you cut it up into smaller pieces and so it's all of the content that's come from it and um just in the process of of teaching my assistant to do that part so go from what i've said into some structure for something smaller for an article and she's already doing a heap of great work like like chop, chopping up the podcast in the in the bits that she chooses herself and and does a little blurb around it which um which is so good that she's writing in my style to the point where people can't tell the difference which is cool and often when i'm reading it, i'm going like this is amazing how good this is so i think for me that's been the biggest impact is my ability to create so much more content just by doing something that comes so naturally to me which is speaking right so I'd say that's, yeah, that'd be the biggest impact for sure. I've noticed the same thing with me because it takes a lot more, it takes a lot more, not effort, but I guess it just takes more to sit down and write a blog, right? Because you have to sit down, you have your keyboard there and you got to like come up with an idea and you got to write it out. Or so the podcast, you just boop, you press record, you have a topic and you just kind of talk about it. And yeah. then especially if you're interviewing a guest, then then it's even easier because your guest just creates your content for you. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. So thank you, by the way, for creating some You're content welcome. for me. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> oh, but it really is. It is, for me, the most fun method of content creation for just a number of ways. All of that, plus with guests. I mean, it's these kinds of relationships, right? I know you now. We've had this conversation because yeah. of podcasting. And I think that is incredibly powerful, especially with what you do. You can really make that impact and showcase all these different stories. And it's incredible. Connections, right? Like yeah. having that Networking. ability to connect. Yeah. And connect at a deeper level. Like when I left corporate, one of the biggest challenges for me was not being part of a team and, and doing a lot of laughing. Whereas the podcast, we've already done it today, right? We're having a laugh about different things yeah. and, and that's really powerful, which I love. You raise a good point there about the the uh, the interaction with a guest and the and the questions, and and that has that's probably the other big thing that I, I had forgotten is that I have had people say to me that the different conversations I've had before it was an actual podcast, but when I was just doing the interviews live, certain questioning and and my ability to ask good questions and and do it in a or whatever it is about what they liked about how I asked the questions that that prompted them to come and speak to me and become a client. So that's probably another right. area that that I hadn't even considered when I got started that it had that impact. For me, it was about getting the message out there. So, yeah, I mean, you're looking at. I mean, I'm sure you've got a, a whole list of other reasons why they're they're powerful, but there, there is so many elements to to why a podcast can be so impactful. And then the other one is that's. It's really interesting. I remember Gary V saying this four years ago about voice will be the next big thing, and, and it's proved to be true, right? Video, video is not quick enough for people. They have to sit there and watch. And but if you just like voice, they can do it anywhere. And and so that's been a real big positive to more engagement from that perspective. Oh yeah, and YouTube is great, but for both for videos and for reading written content, whether that be social media posts or blogs, you have to carve out the time to consume that content. But with a podcast. 
you can be at the gym, you can be driving, you can be cooking dinner, yeah. and you can just have it on in the background. And I think that's incredible. And I also want to say that you brought up an interesting point. Kind of podcasting and client creation from a podcast is almost like a paradox where you not trying or thinking about how it could create clients from guests or whatever is probably why it happened. Because if that's like what you're really trying to do, then yeah. you're not going to be as genuine and you're going to come, might come across as manipulative. A hundred percent. And I think anyone who's been in business and have been in sales and have learned sales process, anytime you get caught in that space where there's any hint of manipulation or neediness or desperation, then people will see straight through that. They feel it before they even hear the words and trying to keep things as natural as possible. Like that, that's, yeah, you've nailed that. That's, that's what for any connection of any kind, whether it's a business relationship or anything, not yeah. coming with your own agenda, but with just trying to create the deepest connection you can. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. So uh, we could talk for, and I say this to a lot of my guests, but this is really, really true. We could talk for hours about this. I mean, it's, 100%. it is very impactful, but I want to make sure to respect your time and the time of our listeners. There was one final question I did want to ask you though. Yeah. I think you might have an interesting uh, perspective on this. When you were first starting your podcast, what was your biggest fear of podcasting? And uh, did that fear end up coming true? For the interview uh, side of things, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the fear. Um, maybe the fear might have been about like some of the challenging conversations that might've come up in that public setting. But I think more from the, the recording, the personal ones that the fear was, what if I ramble? What if I, uh, what if I'm not actually getting my point across? Um, like, will I be umming and ahhing like I'm doing now? Like all that sort of thing. Like it was like, what, like, is it going to actually be beneficial or is anyone going to be listening? And, and then it's, like again, talking to my coach is just create a structure, like with everything. As long as you have a structure and you go in with there with that structure and you have a bit of an idea and then you can just flee, free, free flow within that structure, then, then there'll be no problem whatsoever. And that allays so much of the fear. So, and actually thinking about it now, it wasn't a massive fear and I actually haven't thought about it. Maybe I haven't thought about it enough, but was how many people I was actually reaching from my podcast. I did have a bit of a look early days about how many downloads and, but I, I haven't looked at that in a couple of months because to me, it's not about the amount of numbers that I'm reaching. It's about the quality of those people that are listening and how connected they are to me. And, and are they feeling like they're getting value from that? And the numbers will take care of themselves. If I'm adding that value, then I know that the uh, the word will get around as it already has. Exactly. That's amazing. And that's that's a great kind of response to that fear, right? Like it's gonna if you're putting the value out there, it's gonna happen. And if you know what you're doing and you have a plan, then you're good to go. So I think that's that is incredible for any new podcasters to take that and really run with it. So thank you so much. Ian, for being willing to come on the podcast and share all of this. And for people who are interested in you and in what you're doing, uh, where can they find out more about you? So ianhawkinscoaching.com is the website. And that that uh, 
name is where you'll find me all over social media as well. Uh, not all over, actually. I haven't ventured into all of the areas, but uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, that's where you'll find me. And um, if you dig deep enough, I'm happy for you to connect with me on my personal page on, on Facebook as well. Love having awesome connections. And if there's a lot of podcasters listening to this, maybe some potential uh, guests for my podcast as well. So, um, yeah, please uh, reach out if that's something you feel it. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again, Ian, for being willing to come on the podcast and share your story. You're welcome, Evan. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode and for supporting the Path to Podcast Success Show. If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating and a written review, letting us know what you think of the show so we can bring you the most value we can from these expert podcasters. Your support helps us reach more people looking to step up their podcast game so that they can continue to grow their brand and spread their message. So, again... Thank you for listening to this episode of The Path to Podcast Success, and we'll see you in the next episode.